I just want to show you something very quickly. And how many of you remember in October, I was in the United Kingdom. I was in Ireland. And then I was in Scotland. And then I was in England. And uh, I was in the church in Ireland. And uh, God did amazing things. So this was a miracle that I didn't know about. And um, Rosemary Sandbrook took a video of it this week and sent it to me. There's a precious Scottish brother in the church. His name is Davy or Big Dave. And it's, hi, brother. How are you doing, brother? And then after every message, he'd come, hey, brother, that was a great word. He said, you're a champion. You're a champion. And anyway, right at the end, you know, when I finished the pastor's conference, God touched the pastors and the leaders. It was really powerful. And he came and he said, hey, brother, I changed my mind. You're not a champion. You're the world champion. It's a beautiful brother, really beautiful Scots guy. And uh, so Kevin and Rosemary Sandbrook uh, took this. He was having a little bit of problems with his back. It was something that I'd called out. He responded. He came, and uh, we prayed for him. And uh, he has the video clip. God bless you, bro. I'm sure you remember me. I was one of many you prayed for when you were last back in Northern Ireland a couple of months ago, my whole John. You prayed for my, my spine, from my neck right down to my lower spine my leg, my knee, etc. My wife and I went to see my consultant last Wednesday, uh, pushing for a date for the surgery. The good report is there is no surgery required. The, the what do you call it? Genesis. <laughs> what was very, very serious spinal stenosis around my neck, John, for the last lot of years is now very mild and almost non-existent. Nothing short of a miracle, thanks to their prayers yourself and the saints of God over a period of time. So no surgery required now. I'll be getting painkilling injections on in an annual basis as a plan for now for my lower spine and therefore, but we're trusting the Lord will move in there as well and intervene. I'll let the wife explain it in a wee bit more of a medical term. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so the consultant had said that there was two parts of his neck that had severe stenosis. Um, when he did another MRI, then it showed there was only one part that had very moderate stenosis. So he doesn't have to get the major surgery. He doesn't have to go into ICU. He doesn't have to um, get a cage around his neck and his head for 12 weeks. And there's no complications of infection or anything. So we're just praising the Lord. We're so, so pleased. And he feels good. But we are waiting now for... Um, the results of another MRI for his lower back and we're hoping and praying that you know that it's going to be good results for that as well and if God can touch the top of your neck he can touch the bottom of your back so thank you for your prayers and um, God bless you and your works John Amen John Amen God bless you bro champion (laughs) Isn't that that awesome? Come on I want the whole church to stand and we're going to pray for Dave Big Dave. Hey, brah. <laughs> this is the world champion. Oh, I love you, man. And uh, yeah, we are the whole church. We're going to just pray that God heals the sclerosis or stenosis or whatever it's called, not only in the top of the neck, but all the way down your spine. Yes. Amen. Amen. So here is a couple of hundred saints just raising their hands. And uh, we're going to just reach out and touch the throne of God for you. Father, I just want to thank you for Big Dave. I want to thank you for my brother and his wife, Deb. And Lord, we just speak healing 
to him right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, the good work that you began in David, the top of his spine, the neck. Father, we want to thank you that it will go from mild to zero in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, all the way down the spine, Lord, we're agreeing right now for a miracle of perfection in the name of Jesus Christ. Dave, I speak life to you. We have the power and authority to bring life to your entire spine. And so we just declare a complete regeneration of your entire spine in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let the doctors be astounded with what has happened in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all the saints shouted, Amen. Amen. Bless you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Can't wait to see you. Bless you. Love you, Dave. Amen. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. You got your Bibles ready? Anything else ready? Are you all ready? Yes. Isn't it good to hear of miracles? God doing miracles? I mean, that's really powerful. How many of you know that everything about our Christian life is supernatural? The provision for our Christian walk from God is totally supernatural. And therefore, our Christian walk is and should be a totally supernatural walk. Amen? And so it's supernatural. In other words, our lives are natural with a huge degree of a supernatural element. The world more and more and many Christians, unfortunately, are denying the supernatural power of the Christian faith. Christianity suffered a great setback after particularly the Second World War because it became the age of disillusionism. People were discouraged, people were disappointed, people were disillusioned because of the tragedy of the Second World War. And so they began to look at life much more rationalistically, much more reasonably, and with a materialistic mindset. And this is what the conclusion basically is. We live in a physical world, a closed physical world that is a material world, and there is nothing spiritual, nothing supernatural outside of our closed physical world. And so it's just material. Everything, it's rationalistic. Everything can be reasonably or rationally explained. There are laws that govern things. And so even if you show them a miracle, they will try and explain it away somehow. For example, when the people of Israel were about to cross into the promised land, when they reached the Jordan River and the feet of the priests touched the water, the river dried up. And you will hear them say, oh, no, that happens every, you know, annually. Every year the river dries up like that. The river comes down in flood and it washes logs down and then it blocks at the certain gorge and then whoosh, the river runs dry and they walk through it. That's what they say. The crossing of the Red Sea, they explain away and they say, yeah, every now and then a hot wind blows and, you know, the sea is only about that deep there anyway, you know. So they said that to one Christian. You know, Christians are very smart, you know, because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. They said, the sea is only that deep, and then the wind separated, they went through. They said, wow, it's even greater miracle than I thought, because then the whole Egyptian army drowned in that much water. (laughs) See, they're trying to explain away the supernatural. Unfortunately, that's crept into many churches. And, And what happened was they began to go on to a thing called demythologizing the Bible. 
So they go from Genesis to Revelation, and they try and take out all the miracles. You know, they take out all the miracles and, and try and explain away everything naturally. Well, if you do that with the Bible, then you're going to have the index and the maps and two covers. But you will have nothing in between because everything about Christianity and the revelation of it from Genesis all the way through is the intervention of God. It's the activity of God in the involvement of God in human history. And it's completely miraculous. It's supernatural. Amen. And so with the arrival of Christmas and when we start to think about the birth of Jesus, it's important for us to understand that even from its inception, and especially Christianity, I'm just leaving out the Old Testament a little bit, but especially our Christian faith, it's endued with power. Every single thing about it is just totally, totally miraculous. It is supernatural. Amen? And very often, churches have no power because they've tampered with the message. If you alter the truth, you rob it of its power. Amen? And one of the most attacked doctrines in the whole of the Bible is the virgin birth, the incarnation. The fact that God became man is one of the most attacked doctrines in the world. Because even in some Christian circles, it's almost like this is too much for me to believe. That a young woman who is a virgin is overshadowed by God and impregnated by God. And she gives birth to someone who is fully God and fully man and is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they've come up with all kinds of theories. No, no, no. He was just a normal person who later was endued with the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. He was fully God, but he appeared as a human being. Listen, if we detract from any one of the two that he was fully God and fully man, we rob it of its power. Amen? Somewhere there's a compromise with the truth. So, It's all supernatural. And Christmas, the Christmas story is supernatural because of the virgin birth, because of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus. Now, I want to just mention that in the Bible, there were certain mentions of supernatural births. Isaac, for example, was born supernaturally. Isaac. You know, his mom and dad were really old. I mean, they were in the age bracket of being great, great great-grandfathers and mothers, you know what I mean? 75 and 100, you know? And it's like, oh my goodness, houses. And then God rocks up and he says, you're going to have a baby. And it's going like, well, I know you're God, but, you know? And God does something absolutely incredible. If you look at the context of the story, God actually does a work of regeneration and they literally become younger. Amen? And they go back to prime age where they're able to produce a child by natural biological means. But it was a supernatural birth in the sense that God assisted and God did something. John the Baptist, Elizabeth was barren. But the angel Gabriel appears and basically says this time next year. So it was supernatural in the sense that a miracle took place. Amen. There's people in this church, Ian and Shireen, both their children are supernatural children. You know, born because of a miracle, but they had to go through the normal means of producing children. God did a miracle, but the birth of Jesus is completely different, and it's supernatural from this particular point in who it is that was born. That's the main thing, amen? Because it was the Son of God, Christ eternal, you know, who had lived for eternity in the past, and then is born into humankind through a woman, 
overshadowed by God, and he is fully God and fully man. Amen? And with that, we can't tamper. We can't touch it. Is that okay? And so the birth of Jesus is totally supernatural. And for us as believers, the virgin birth of Jesus is not an obstacle to our faith. It's an inspiration to our faith. Amen? Because what it does is tell us that nothing is impossible for God. Amen? Any situation that is dead, God can breathe new life into it. Amen? Things that look dead, things that look past, things that look, it just cannot happen. God can do it because of what he did through sending Jesus to come and save us. Amen? So it inspires our faith. It does something for our faith. And the supernatural birth of Jesus began a whole series of things because his life then, the life that he lived was a supernatural life. His short three, three and a half years of ministry was supernatural in its effect and in its outcome. In three and a half years, he touched and changed the lives of 12 men directly, indirectly, multitudes that turned the whole world upside down, and Christianity is the greatest religion on the face of the planet. Amen? Amen? And so his supernatural birth gave way to supernatural life, gave way to supernatural ministry, and all of it, the focus of it was for us. Amen. So the important thing about then the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, is the fact is it was the one who was born. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to think about it. I've sat and tried to work it out with my puny little finite mind how an infinite God, invisible, who is outside of creation, that said to David and to Solomon, how are you going to build me a house to live in because the whole world is not big enough to contain me? Because he supersedes the expanse of space. So they're still sending up telescopes, you know, the Hubble and others. They're building bigger, stronger ones here in South Africa because of the clear sky down there in Sutherland. And they're building bigger and bigger and more powerful telescopes that are just looking further and further and further into the universe and into what we call space. Now, space means there's an object and there's an object, and space is this bit in between, space. But what they're looking and discovering is that there is stuff beyond where there's any other object. And it just goes on. I mean, they're just sending up the latest rocket where they want to go, Mars or somewhere like that the latest rocket that's gone up. And the further man travels and the further they discover, the greater they discover that the universe is. And yet, God holds all of that just in the palm of his hand. You know, he says, I've measured it out with a span. So it's taking millions of light years for them to discover from there to there on God's hand. You know what I'm saying? So what's there and what's there, you know? And he has this incredible God this immense God. And we've, we also know not only about his immensity, but his power is unlimited. His wisdom is unfathomable. You read the scriptures and then God, this God is contained in a human body called Jesus. All of that in that. It's no wonder the angels... Because Paul says it in, I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 3.16. He says, the mystery of godliness is great. And then he talks about 
Jesus, you know, and um, he talks about the fact that he was seen of angels. But he was seen of angels at his incarnation and at his birth. Because God is spirit, angels being created beings, worshipped Jesus, worshipped the Father, worshipped the Spirit in spirit and in truth. And for them, when it says they were seen of angels, he was seen of angels, was of course the birth narrative in Matthew and in Luke, when the shepherds are told, you know, go into Bethlehem because there you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. And angels, choirs of angels appear in heaven and sing, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And why were they marveling? It was because for the first time they saw God. But they saw him in a angels as a baby. Amen? Peter tells us that angels long to still look into these things, the mystery of the incarnation. But not only that, every time a human being gets saved, I think they sing the same kind of song because Jesus said whenever a sinner comes to repentance, the angels sing. Amen? And so they're looking down on the face of the planet, and every second or milliseconds, they're erupting glory to God in the highest on earth, you know, favor to man on whom his peace, peace on earth and on whom his favor is, is because they're seeing the same miracle, the same miracle, the same miracle, Christ in the flesh. Amen? Yeah. So it's really powerful. His whole birth started something that's absolutely incredible. And you cannot take away from the deity of Christ. You cannot separate it from the virgin birth because it was in the virgin birth. And that's what makes it special was the fact that God became man and dwelt among us. Amen. Amen. So Jesus was born. A couple of things. Was born because of man's sin. I like these verses. These are good old verses that I used to memorize and I used to preach them often. Romans 3.23 says this in the King James translation. For all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all know the story. We all know the reason why we're in a pickle is women's fault. We all know it. It's in the Bible. Okay. I'm teasing, but we all know how the story of the fall happened, and we know how man fell into sin. And uh, Paul describes it beautifully in Romans chapter 5, that sin came into the world through one man, but then righteousness came in through another man's obedience. Amen? And he explains it brilliantly there in Romans chapter 5. But the reason Jesus was born was to save us, save us from our sin. And so he was the gift of God to bring us eternal life. Jesus was born for mankind to have a mediator. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6, it says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Listen, we needed a mediator. Even Job 
when he was in the midst of all of his suffering, he said, oh, that I could have a mediator, could reach out his hand and lay one hand on me and one hand on God and help me. Mankind, we needed a mediator. We needed someone to come in and bridge the gap between us and God because our sins had removed us as far as the east is from the west from the Father. Amen? And so we needed the mediator. And so Jesus came, the mediator of a better covenant with better promises, better sacrifice by his own blood to save us. And uh, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And that's why it was a better covenant. Amen. And so Jesus came and his blood was able to do that for us. The incredible thing is the gift of salvation, as great and as glorious as it is, is so simple to receive. He was born to remove the sins of humankind because of his perfect sacrifice. I don't want to go into that too long, but he was born to, to redeem mankind. So I'm going to finish those verses, Romans 3, 23 to 26. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. Aren't these gorgeous verses? So let me just read it again. Romans 3.23, and then we're going to follow through King James' translation. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He bought us, paid the price with his blood. Now listen to this. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Now I'm going to just I'm just going to just mention something here. I don't hear it in our church. So that will be Romans, Romans 3:23. So I'm I'm going to just mention it here is that I believe in the grace of God. Amen? Yes. We all believe in His grace. Yes. But sometimes a lot of the great preachers preach it so hard that it's almost like humankind is already saved. They preach it almost like, you know, everything that He did. Man is so special and so wonderfully created and it's almost as if He doesn't need salvation because He's so special. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or are you all hearing me? I want you to know, without Christ, we are lost and headed for hell. There is a place called hell. And some of the hyper-grace people push the fact that, you know, how can a loving God dangle people over hell? A loving God doesn't dangle people over hell. Hell was created for the devil. Those that end up there find their way there themselves by the rejection of the gospel. Amen. And people don't just wander into salvation. Are you all with me? It's not like, you know, you're almost born good. No, we were not. We were born sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Unfortunately, many of them stopped there. Let's carry on. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement to pay for us, to cover our sins through the shedding of His blood. Listen, there it is there. To be received by faith, to be received by faith, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness 
because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Okay, that's 325. Let's go to 326. He did it to demonstrate. Okay, I think, yeah, there it is. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him, which of him which believeth in Jesus. Amen. How many of you can see he made the provision, but he needs to be received by faith? It only comes to those who believe in Jesus. In other words, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not saved. Amen. You can be the crown of God's creation, but you're not saved. God loves every human being absolutely passionately. I mean, he's just totally in love with every human being. But if they don't believe in Jesus, they're lost for eternity. Are you all with me? John chapter 1 verse 12. He came to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him. To them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Amen. And so Jesus needs to be received. He needs to be accepted. He needs to be believed upon. And like I said, the salvation was so amazing. Bev and I were watching a, a video clip. They did a life story of a, a man that we know. And as a young man, he was called up to national service. And he was involved in the, the bush war, defending his country. And um, they came into conflict with some insurgents. But this young man was wild. I mean, his father basically said, go to the army and, you know, maybe it'll make a man of you. He was wild. He was on drugs. He was smoking weed. He was taking all kinds of drugs. And um, he was a really gifted guy, very intelligent and all of this kind of thing, but wild, absolutely wild. And um, more as time went on, he became more bitter, more angry, but absolutely wild. So while in the army, something happened, and they were called to a place where they had identified some of the enemy, and they went in to gauge the enemy, and he jumped off a little rock rise as they were running in. And when he jumped off and he landed like this, one of the enemy soldiers fired and the bullet hit him there in the top of his head and came out at the back. And uh, one of the other soldiers ran past him, put his fingers on his neck, and he said, no, he's, uh, he's deceased. And they went on. The conflict went on for about another 30 minutes or longer. And eventually they called in one of the helicopters to Kazavak him, and he was taken out. But as they were ready to put him in a body bag, they checked again and they found a pulse. Even though he'd been shot in the top there and out there. When he was in hospital, the doctor did the scans. His mom came in. And uh, one of the other soldiers who, who was high on Dacha said to his mom, No, no, he's fine. He walked to the helicopter. <laughs> but he didn't. But it was because he was high on Zol, you know. He was on weed. So she chose to believe that he walked to the helicopter. So she said, well, if he walked to the helicopter, then he's going to be fine. But he didn't. He didn't walk to the... They couldn't find enough morphine to inject him because of the excruciating pain that he was in. He tells it from his side. The moment he hit the ground, his spirit left his body. And he went to that place, kind of a, a lot of people have out-of-body experiences. And then he, he said, but in the moments before he left, he said the most excruciating pain in every cell in his body. Went out and he came back in and uh, back again, the pain. But when they went and the doctors showed his mom and dad the x-rays, they said he will just never live. He just, he cannot live because his speech center is gone. 
his sight centers gone, all that part of his brain will be completely blown out of his head with the bullet, his mobility, everything. He'll just, if he lives, he'll be a total vegetable, total, totally incapacitated. But the mom just chose to believe in her own way. He walked there, he will walk. And as time went on, long story short, his sight returned, his speech returned, even though that big section of his brain was completely blown out by the bullet. He started to walk with a bit of difficulty. He still walks. And he was taken to a home. Now he's up in the mountains where he would recover. And uh, when he's there, now he's bitter and he's even more angry, hates God, because why did God let this happen to him? And uh, the guy who was running the center is a Christian, is a padre. And he's ministering to all these injured people, you know, who had limbs gone and all this kind of thing. And uh, he comes in on his wheelchair and he's shouting and screaming at the padre and swearing at the padre. And, um, you know, how can you teach people this? How can you say this? Because, you know, it's a lot of lies. And so when lunchtime comes, the only chair that is open when he comes in to, to get his meal is the chair next to the padre. Yeah. And he sits down and they get into a conversation and he's asking the padre some questions and the padre answers it. And he says that night when he went to bed, he gets into bed with difficulty because even today the one leg doesn't work, but it doesn't stop him. He's a preacher. He travels around preaching, ministering, helping the poor, um, incredible stories. Most of the soldiers that fought with him in his platoon are all born again because of him, because of his testimony. And, uh, and this is what he said. He said he went to bed that night and after the padre had spoken to him and he said everything inside he was in a turmoil. There was so much anger, so much bitterness, no peace just this rage. And when he went to bed that night, he said, he just said to God, can you do it for someone like me? He said, when he woke up next morning, he knew he was different. He woke up, there was peace. He said, I, I just knew that I was a different person. And there was this hunger for God. There was this love for the word. There was a compassion for people. Um, you know, complete transformation. Ask one question. Now, how many of you know that that is a supernatural birth? Yes. Out of one kingdom into the next. Yes. And now he's living supernaturally yes. because they don't know how he can see and hear and speak and do all the things that he does because so much of his brain went missing with yeah. one shot. And he travels around the world sharing his testimony, preaching the gospel, ministering to the poor. Unbelievable. I was chatting to another guy this week and the most unlikely person. And we've had a few chats up, up you know, Zambezi Valley, sitting there next to the Zambezi River. And him and his wife pop in, just very hospitable people. They pop in, you know, for a cup of tea. They heard I'm there. They know I'm a pastor, you know, and he's never given any indication of anything other than that, you know, he's just an ordinary person. And then he sits there and he talks to me and he says, yeah, you know, just day before yesterday, I said, tomorrow I'll see this kind of bird. And he mentioned this rare bird. And he says, and this bird comes and lands in the tree. 
I said, wow, that's awesome. And he said, and then the day before, I said, I'm going to see this kind of bird. And he said, and this, and he mentions the name of another rare bird, comes and lands in the tree. And I said, wow, that's amazing. And he said, yes, because God is ever present. I said, amen, he is. And he's Emmanuel, he's with us. He said, so you can just ask him anytime. I said, yes, amen, it's true. I'm saying to this guy, you know, and I'm going like, he's the most interesting man you've ever met in your life. And I'm going like, wow. So they invited us to go up and have uh, some tea with him on the Sunday. So on the Sunday we go, and uh, he said, yeah, no, I, I asked God, and another bird came. And I said, wow, that's really incredible. Then he opens up, and he just starts to tell me his life. He said, I was up in the center of Africa with the Mama uprising. He says, I just managed to escape. I saw so many people killed. He said, I was in Rwanda with the Hutu and the Tutsis, I saw the genocide there. He said, back down into the DRC, I saw all the war and the conflict there. He says, and then I landed up here in Zimbabwe. And he says, and then post-traumatic stress disorder hit me from witnessing all this horrendous stuff. He said, I was living out in the bush under a wild grape and a, a lovely farming couple would come and they would just visit me and the wife would bring me a plate of food. I would just sleep on, under, he said, nothing, just on the ground, and put a plate of food down. And she would try and talk to me, and her husband would say, can you not see the man does not want to talk? Just shut up. <laughs> okay. So she, would, she said, and then after a while, she got it. And then she would put the plate of food down. He was so touched that he ended up having to rust. Some, keeping the story short, some other set of circumstances happened, and he ended up having to run away. And he ends up, and he meets somebody from the Illuminati. Now, he's fascinated by the story of the Illuminati. And he's going, oh, tell me about it. He said, for 10 days, I spent 10 days with this guy who's high up in the Illuminati. And he said, the essence of it is, I said to him, so how does this all work? And he says, this guy high up in the Illuminati says, there's light and there's darkness. There's God and there's the devil. There's nothing in between. You're either on God's side or you're on the devil's side. So he's thinking. Now remember, he's got bad nightmares at night. Two wives before had run away and left him because, because of his wild dreams, his, his wild behavior, you know, and all this kind of thing. He would wake up in the night punching. <laughs> so often they would get punched. And he says, I don't blame them for leaving. He said, I was off my head. He says, so after 10 days of chatting, he says, I go out of chatting with this guy from the Illuminati. He said, I go out and I look up. It's dark, night sky. He says, I look up and I say to God, if you're there, I want you to know I'm on your side. <laughs> he says, he goes to bed that night. He says, and I sleep the whole night through. No dreams. No PTSD. Nothing. He says, I couldn't wait for night because I wanted to see if I'm going to repeat this experience. So he said, I wished the whole day away. I was so excited. And he says, I went to bed that night. I slept the whole night. No nightmares, no PTSD. He said, tell today. Tell today. And then he said, I'm dyslexic. The only book I can read is the Bible. And then he starts quoting Psalm 103 to me. I'm going like, oh my God, this is incredible. So then he says, it's the only book I can read. He says, and people come here 
And they find the Lord because we say grace. And then we read from the scriptures. People from all over the world come. And they find the Lord in the Zambezi Valley. Because of somebody who experienced a supernatural birth because of his incarnation. Amen. And you see, when we are born again, we are born again into his kingdom. We are born again into his character. We are born again into his nature. And then our whole lives become supernatural. Then you can say, you know, God, tomorrow I want to see this kind of bird. And the God who loves us does it. Amen. And then we can say, God, you know, I would really like this. And then the God who did it for Jesus and by sending Jesus does it for us because we're one of his children. Amen. And so he was born to reveal God's character. He was born so that he could send the Holy Spirit. And there's so many other things. So just some practical realities as I'm winding down is this, is that because we've experienced a supernatural birth into the kingdom and because God was able to give us his Holy Spirit, we now too can live supernaturally. And God has given us the word. God has given us worship. God has given us church. God has given us his spirit. God has given us everything so that we can live supernatural lives. In other words, our lives lived can be lived above what is just natural. Amen? You know, what normal people go through, we go through, but there's a supernatural element that God lifts us above it. Amen? And so the amazing thing is when people around us and when the world around us is experiencing great anxiety, we can live in supernatural peace. When there's perplexity and all kinds of things, because of his spirit in us, we can live with that deep sense of joy that transcends being just happy. Because happy is very often linked to circumstances. Amen? And so we live with joy in our lives. And our whole lives becomes something that is a supernatural life. Last thing is supernatural works. You know all the scriptures. Jesus said, because I'm going to the Father. In other words, he was saying, because I'm going to the Father, now prepare in the Father a room for you to become a son and daughter of God. He says, because I'm doing that, and then I'm sending the person of the Holy Spirit to come and live in you, he said, you can do the works that I have done, and you can do even greater works. Amen? I don't know if you've noticed, but the number of healings and miracles have just started escalating. Have you noticed that? And it's because God is doing something, and it's because also we're realizing our authority and our identity. And so in John chapter 15, Jesus gives us the secret. He said, if, you know, my father is the God, and I'm the vine. If you abide in me and I abide in you, and I said, you'll produce fruit, more fruit, much fruit. In other words, if we connect it as branches to the vine, the fruit will be the natural outcome of our lives. Amen. The fruit of holiness and the fruit of power will be just the natural outcome. And God is glorified by the fruit that we produce in our lives. Amen. If you are at peace when everything around you is turmoil, God is glorified. If there's confusion and chaos and there's a lot of worry and concern and you've got faith in God, think glorified. Amen. When you lay your hands on someone and they're healed of something, God is glorified. Amen. And so the whole thing is we need to realize the supernatural life that we've been given because the supernatural birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So the Apostle Paul, I'm closing with this, says this, and it's a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. He says this. 
Know you not, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 14 to 17, but I'll just do from verse 15. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know you not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. In other words, if someone sleeps with a prostitute, the Bible says you become one flesh with them. But Paul says this. That's not the what we're supposed to do with our bodies. He says this. But that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Is it incredible one spirit with the Lord? One, everybody say one spirit. Say, I am one spirit of the Lord. I'm joined to the Lord. And all of that is because of the birth of Jesus, what he came to do that we're celebrating this time of the year at Christmas. He's one spirit. And I like, I just heard someone say it recently. When Peter and John were at the gate, beautiful, and they saw the lame man sitting there, and he was looking at them expecting finances because he was there to beg. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says nothing happened until Peter took him by the hand and lifted him up, and then the power hit his ankles, and then he started to walk. Amen? One of the reasons why that happened, or the reason why that happened, was because when Peter took the lame man's hand at the gate beautiful, Jesus in him, because he's one spirit with Christ, Christ was taking the hand. Because he's one spirit. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, when they prayed after the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees had said to them, you're no longer to preach under this name. They went back and they prayed and they said, Lord, stretch out your hand to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your servant or your holy child, Jesus. And the Bible says, and they went out, preached the word of God with boldness, and God confirmed his word with signs and wonders following. Because when God stretched out his hand according to their prayer, they went out and they were stretching out their hand because they won in spirit with them. God was working with them. Amen. So we are now one spirit with him. Is that right? And that is why we can see the miracles, the signs, and the wonders happening because we are one spirit of the Lord. When we touch somebody, they're healed. When we speak to someone, they're delivered. When we encourage someone, they're encouraged because we are speaking his words. We carry his presence. We carry his spirit, and we do his actions, and God moves on our behalf. Amen. Amen. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Amen. So thank God for Christmas. Father, we just want to thank you for Christmas this morning. We want to thank you for the celebration of your birth. Lord, we could not celebrate Easter. We could not celebrate Good Friday. We could not celebrate Easter Sunday if it wasn't for Christmas. Yeah. And Father, we want to thank you for Christmas morning that we remember Amen. that God became flesh and yes. dwelt among us. The God who could not be contained in all of the universe, who could not even be contained by a building, is now contained in our hearts, our lives, in our bodies. Father, we thank you for it, and we are one spirit with you because of what Jesus did. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you need over this Christmas period, God is omnipresent. He is Emmanuel. Amen? He's closer to you than the very breath of your mouth. 
And maybe, maybe it's time for miracles this season where you just say, God, I need this. And for him to do it because we want spirit with him. God, I need that. God, you can heal me. Thank you for my healing. Amen. Where we speak those things to God and God does them for us. May the Lord bless you. Bless you all in Jesus' name. Amen.